Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. God says in Exodus 25 and 6, which we place as the conclusion of the Ten Commandments that you uh, confessed earlier, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, and showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now think about this. Every explanation of the Ten Commandments that anyone who has ever been confirmed in the Lutheran Church uh, has had to memorize, so, so all of you, uh, that memorization, that explanation begins, we should fear and love God, so that, and then the rest of the explanation. But here in the conclusion, uh, we see these two things, fear and love. We are to fear God's wrath and do nothing against these commandments because sinning against them brings the punishment of, of, of death. But God also promises grace and every blessing to those who love him and, and those who keep these commandments. And, and so we willingly do what God says because of his gracious promise. We call these two teachings law and gospel. Law and gospel drives and shapes everything uh, that we do and preach here at Faith, everything uh, that our synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, does uh, and proclaims, everything that our college, Bethany Lutheran College, does. Because every verse in Scripture can be divided between law and gospel. The law shows our sin, and the gospel shows our Savior and what he's done to save us from our sin. And this is what Scripture is all about. But there's one thing here that God says in the conclusion that tends to bother people. A long gospel seems so simple, but, but, but then there's this. God promises to, to visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me and showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. We like the showing mercy part. That, that part seems fair and right. But, but promise, uh, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers, well, that doesn't seem fair. Why, why would God be that mean? But this is actually a misunderstanding of these words and a confusion of law and gospel. Because what it presumes is that because of my works, by my following of God's law, I can actually merit God's grace. That the grace and the blessing come because I follow God's law. That by being good, I can maneuver God to grant me blessing. God wasn't going to do it otherwise. And that on the other hand, only those who actively sin, only those uh, people who are the worst in the world, and I'm sure you can think of some of them, only those people, well, only they deserve God's punishment, but not everyone else. But our Old Testament lesson today for this first Sunday of Lent helps us understand just what God is promising here. Uh, and not only that, but also how law and gospel actually impact me in my life, even today. God places Adam in the Garden of Eden with two trees the tree of life, 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And to both trees, God attaches a promise. To the tree of life, God promises that Adam, uh, all he needs to do is eat and he will live forever. By means of the tree of life, Adam has the promise of eternal life. But God warns him that if he eats from the other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that he will certainly die. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil carries with it the promise of death. Death and life, sin and grace, law and gospel. But the devil comes and he tempts Eve first, then Adam. Notice the devil is always doing things in reverse of God. When God spoke in Genesis 2, he spoke to Adam. Eve received God's good word through Adam. Adam was Eve's teacher. He was her pastor. But now the devil enters the garden and he does not speak to Adam, but he speaks to Eve. Satan is always doing things in reverse of God. And he's always trying to get us to confuse law and gospel. Uh, Is this the way that God really meant things to be? And so the devil says, has God really said, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, in fact, God had not said that. But the devil's See, he's already planting that that little seed of doubt. And then he follows it up with this half-truth. You certainly will not die. He's promising life. And then the most enticing of all, in fact, God knows that the the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The devil's promising power. These three temptations, food, life, and power. And Adam and Eve soon fall for it. They fall into sin. Now, notice, it wasn't the eating of the fruit itself that was the issue. It wasn't as if the tree was was poisonous, uh, taking a poison apple and eating it and dying. Uh, That's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. That's not the Bible. Uh, The issue is not the eating, but that Adam stopped trusting God. Adam before had had lived from the word of God. Adam, eat from this tree and live forever. It was a promise, the promise of the gospel. Adam lived from this word of life. That's what the gospel is, the word of life, the good news of Jesus Christ. So to turn away from that word that brought him life would, would cause him death and separation from God. So it wasn't the eating that caused him death, but unbelief. And so the curse upon Adam is exactly as God had warned. Not only will the ground from which Adam had been taken now work against him, but Adam also would return to the dust. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And in this curse, we we also see that it wasn't Adam's work that had kept him alive. It wasn't as if Adam was a dog that that God would reward with a few more years if if he did something something right. Here's a a bone for for doing a good, good trick. No, Adam did not need to work one ounce for his life. He received his life purely by grace. Think about this. By the hand of God, Adam was formed. 
By the breath of God, Adam became a living being. By the grace and promise of God, Adam lived. God gave Adam every blessing. From the tree of life, Adam received his life, his eternal life. And God promised him life. And so when he trusted God and he did what God said, he thus received his life. Conversely, then Adam's unbelief brought him death. And not only to him, but to every child born in the image of Adam. Every son or daughter of Adam would now be born not in the image of, of the holy God, but born in the image of sinful Adam. This is why on Wednesday, as you receive the ashes on your forehead, you heard me say, son or daughter of Adam, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Because that's important. Most people think that they're sinners if or because they sin. They, they, they think they're sinners if, if they do something wrong. Uh, that's what makes them sinners, by, by doing something. But Adam's fall and the curse that follows means that we have something called original sin. We have sin inherited from Adam, our original father. Original sin means that we, are, that we sin because we are sinners. Even before we come out of the womb, we are sinners. There is never a time in our life where we were ever without sin or ever without need of the grace of God. And this sin is passed down. It, it's, it's inherited from one generation to the other. And not only is it passed down to the third and fourth generation, but for all generations. And so, see, this is key for understanding who we are. So when God promises to visit the iniquity of the fathers upon uh, the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, we understand that this is the natural default condition for every single person born from a human father. Every single person born from a human father. The law condemns us all. And so this means that if a father does not proclaim the gospel to his own children, uh, well, the only thing to be passed down is death. The law can only bring death. But the law is not the end. There wasn't only one tree in the garden, there were two. There isn't only one teaching in the Bible, what you are to do, how we are to live, but there's two. The most important is grace. God promises grace. And he does it already here in Genesis 3.15. We call this the, the Proto-Evangelion, the, the first gospel promise. God says to the devil, he says, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will crush his heel. This is the, the first promise of a Savior, a man born not from a human father, but solely from a woman, a virgin named Mary. 
Jesus becomes the new man, the new Adam, to crush the devil's head. And Jesus goes into not a, a garden paradise, but a desert, as we heard in our gospel lesson, where he suffers and is tempted alone. And there the devil tries to get Jesus, and he tries to tempt Jesus with the same temptations that he used on Adam and Eve. Food, life, and power. But Jesus responds how? Exactly how Adam should have responded when the devil tempted him. Jesus says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is key. For Adam, just as for us, we live by the word of the Lord. So when the devil tempts Jesus with life, just as he tempted Adam and, and Adam with life, Jesus says again, again it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. And finally, when the devil tempts Jesus with being like God and having all the power of the world, Jesus says, go away, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In the perfect garden, Adam exalted himself to be God in the place of God. But in the sin-cursed wilderness, God humbles himself to become man in our place. Everything Jesus does, he, he does so that we will not die, but live. This is the gospel. And so God promises to show mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. It's not a reward. It's the gospel. Man lives and is sustained by the word of God, purely by the grace of God. Those who love God are those who trust him, who believe his word of promise, who live by his word. They don't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And they're declared holy by the promise given to them in baptism. In baptism, we regain the image of God, the one that Adam lost. Uh, the image of God, we have that even while we still have the, the fallen flesh, uh, the image of fallen Adam in this life. And this, this group of believers, this, this group of those who, who love God, they may be smaller, thousands, uh, as opposed to all the world, but we receive our life solely from the Word of God. And so God calls us again to live by this word of promise, to live and believe the gospel. He invites us to eat and to drink, uh, to eat and drink from the fruit of the tree, the new tree of life, to take and receive the, the fruit of, of Jesus' own body and blood in the Lord's Supper, poured for you from the tree of the cross. Now, I've been hearing more and more about the Ukrainian Lutheran Church lately. Uh, and uh, just, I, I heard the other day from a pastor who, who used to help out over there, who used to, to teach um, uh, uh, vacation Bible school in the summer to children over there. And, and he said that there's a tradition done that uh, whenever the pastors pronounce the gospel, that whenever they pronounce absolution or God's blessing at the end of the service, they hold up. They hold up a crucifix, 
just like this. Because they want to make sure, make absolutely sure that the thing you leave church with, the thing you leave with, is that Jesus' crucifixion on the cross is for you. This is the tree of life. That on his death on the cross, he took your place. Jesus became a condemned criminal so that you would be a son, a child of God. And by faith, you now have a new father. The punishment of the, uh, the children of, of Adam, that punishment will not reach you because you have a new father. Jesus took your place. He died the death that Adam won, the death that you and I deserve. By his crucifixion, your sins are atoned for. Your guilt is paid. Your punishment is suffered. Your death is finished. You now are a son of God, an heir of eternal life, an heir of paradise. The crucifixion is the gospel. Live by this word of promise. In Jesus' name, amen.